I couldn't imagine how many people were either finger banged or somehow clumsily uh, found a climax in a theater while this movie just just played in the background, just slapped in the background. I I couldn't imagine the sheer numbers of of, uh, youth that that had like just a a fun time to this while this film just happened. You know, because it because I I remember it came when it came out in theaters. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go hit that like it's Buster Rhymes. Like, let's see him on screen. And I I mean I I've never left a film, but I don't think I don't think I walked out of that one like with blue balls. Welcome once again to the Bloodsucking Geeks episode four. Are we on episode four? Or is this episode three? Uh, three. God, three. Dang. Three. Let's do that again. Well, uh, we already fucked up. It's appropriate for this fucking <laughs> BSG episode three. Uh, I'm Chris, one of the hosts for the BSG podcast. But with me this week are the rest of the BSGs. We've got Corey, Robert, and Cody. How's it going, guys? What's up, Chris? Fucking awful. Art. <laughs> uh, I will say, Corey, you have been in a very cantankerous mood this week. Yes, because I had to watch this piece of shit fucking movie. And uh, it actually, last night I was actually pissed off because it took away from me watching a good shitty movie to watch a shitty, shitty movie. I will say, like, you went into this. I felt you were actually pretty, like, positive about it going in. Well, I had fond memories from uh, seeing it back in the day when it came out back in 2002. <laughs> but um, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. Are, are, are we going to tell everybody what the movie is? Or are we just going to keep talking shit about it? No, they'll know. They'll, they'll, figure figure it know. they'll figure it out. So, yes, <laughs> uh, we're watching Halloween Resurrection. Uh, this was the movie that actually uh, Robert Corey <laughs> obviously didn't like this movie, but this was your idea to, to watch this movie because you are such a Halloween fan um, that you thought this would be kind of a good one to kind of take a look back on, right? Oh, no, it's a, well, you know, no pun intended, but take a stab at it because it is the shittiest one. And it's the <laughs> one that, I mean, it's not the one that everyone hates the most in like the Halloween, like, you know, forums and shit like that, but it's definitely the one I dislike the most. It's, you know, I, I mean, I have a soft spot for all the Halloweens, but this one is fucking garbage. Maybe sure. it's the one that the BSGs deserve to watch the most. Oh, it definitely is. That's why I chose it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. Um, so, uh, do you guys, uh, do you, what what memories do you guys have of this movie from, from back when? Because I I, I remember seeing it maybe bits and pieces, but I don't remember actually sitting down and like watching it uh, like all the way through at any point in my life, other than to get ready for the show. Well, there was there was a there was a, a big age difference between then, like, and it was a, a new Halloween movie in two thousand two was pretty cool. I mean, I thought at least being such a big Halloween fan, I was only twenty years old when it came out, so I was like, fuck yeah! Like, we went and I went and saw it uh, um, opening night actually. At uh, I think it was the Lowe's Theater off, off Brian Irvin, 
and me and Nick Gleason saw it. We saw that, and then we walked over and snuck into Reign of Fire, that Matthew McConaughey dragon movie. But uh, yeah, Resurrection. Really asleep. When, when I when I watched Rain over me. Time, no, Reign of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that movie was so miscast. They should have had McConaughey as the the docile one, and, and uh, Bale as. The I thought you were going to say McConaughey as the dragon. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I, when it came out, I liked it because I ended up going and watching it two nights later again, like on a you know like a Tuesday night or something like that. But uh, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is cool, and then like literally like getting deeper into the franchise and going back and watching all of them and becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger fan. Like I, this is the one I, I watched the least. And I was telling Corey last night, I watched all of the Halloween movies at least once a year, but this one I watch only once a year. The other ones I can, I can like, <laughs> this is, this is the only time I will watch that one this year. Unless, is this like, always I, the last one that you watch too of the Halloween movies or do you watch yeah. them in order? Uh, no, I don't watch them in order. I just sporadically watch them, like uh, just is whenever. It like a holiday? Is it like is it like a holiday? Is it National Flag Day? It's like the one you have to observe. You're like, fuck. Okay, I'm gonna watch it this year. You know, like is it? Well, yeah. I'll, that that the, my viewing last night will be the only time I watched it, I'll, or that I'll watch it this year for sure. But the other ones I'll still watch probably multiple times. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, so I mean, Cody or Corey. When, Corey, when was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, I was down in College Station, and uh, instead of going to classes, I usually just went to the movies after uh, altering my mindset properly. And uh, that's the only way I can assume that I was able to sit through this piece of shit at the time. Uh, and I had, yes, and I have not watched it since. Uh, for a very good reason. I forgot why. Usually, you know, there's just a bunch of movies I haven't seen that I want to watch. Um, there's no reason why anyone should watch this movie. Even if you haven't seen it, avoid it. So just, uh, right from the get-go, we're saying don't watch this movie. I say this movie is a teaching moment. Yeah, yeah I, think, oh, okay. I think in order to enjoy good horror films, you have to watch this movie. It's like mm. uh, It's like The Passion of the Christ for uh for horror fans but like not christians but for horror fans you know like if you want to observe that you've got to watch this movie you got to see jim caviezel get whipped right so it's this this is our jim caviezel like uh <laughs> oh man sacrifice. Oh. it's a sacrifice and you have to make it in order to be part of well laurie strode could have done that when she had michael you know like up by one leg Dude. and just perfectly prone to do whatever you want with, but yet you just... Uh, first of all, the tensile strength, the tensile strength of ropes and cables in this universe is fucking outrageous. It's absurd. <laughs> also, finger strength. Dude, no. Also, upper body torso uh, pull-up strength. Whoever, I want to know... How, I want to see Michael Myers' lats. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, I want to see his workout routine. What's his, like, what's his quadriceps and shit? <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Before we get into the rest of the movie, um, let's just look at some of the other stuff that we've been watching this past week. So, Corey, we know that you're watching always like the most uh, like gross and depraved horror movies every day of your of your week, I guess. Uh, what What are some of the ones you've been watching this week? Uh, so I've been. Uh... I've gone through a lot since last time we all talked. I started the Maniac Cop series, which was great. Um, The one I want to talk about is this uh, Mexican 
non-exploitation movie Alucarda, which I had read about uh, a few months ago, and it's uh, kind of a hard DVD to get a hold of, but uh, I've tracked it down, and um, I mean, on the box it says, the quote is, more blood, loud screaming, and nudity than any horror film I can think of. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm all about that. So it's the story of um, two nuns, and uh, one, I guess, gets it doesn't make any sense at all but one gets possessed they start doing their uh some nun on nun action which is pretty cool um lots and lots of just like this alucarda chick just spinning around with her wild hair going everywhere just screaming lots of that just happens for no reason um some orgies uh some blood uh not really as over the top and depraved as i had hoped uh but still it was decent uh, so I would check that out. Then, um, also, uh, I watched a movie called nightmare city, uh, another Italian horror movie that, um, this is an example of a good, bad movie. Uh, Halloween resurrection. We'll get into why I hate it so much, but nightmare city, uh, it's really good. Uh, it's from 1980, possibly the first instance of fast zombies, and they're not only fast, they use machine guns. They have like a working mechanical knowledge of elevators. They can fly planes. They can. That's uh, probably the scariest type of zombie. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. And it then. Sounds like uh, it's in deep for a reboot. Uh, well, the. <laughs> when I was watching it, I read that apparently Tom Savini back in like 2016 was trying to get a reboot going, but uh, I don't think it's gotten off the ground yet, but he definitely was working on it. So. Uh, yeah, those are two of the things I've been watching. So, uh, yeah, always trying to find something new. And definitely after watching this piece of shit, I'm going to try to find something to cleanse the palate. Well, <laughs> that, that leads us to, to, to think maybe, what does your wife think whenever she's hearing these movies from the other room? Uh, pornography. Because, you know, like, is it, which is it? Horror or porn? You know, who knows? Well, that's one of the things I was telling you guys this week. Uh, that's one of our games we play. Uh, does the movie pass the porn test? <laughs> Uh, just because usually she likes sitting outside. She likes it being outdoors and whatnot, like a fucking weirdo. Uh, <laughs> who, does, who wants to do that? Fresh air. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm inside watching these uh, outlandish movies, and she has the patio door open. And she just hears, you know, these people getting massacred and butchered. And quite often it sounds like, uh, you know, the business is being done. Uh, but yeah, so she, uh, often comes in and sometimes, uh, I was watching a movie this week too, uh, a Lucio Fulci movie, the New York Ripper. And, uh, it actually was, they were in a sex theater and two people were just like banging. And, uh, so it sounded like porn and technically it was porn. So, uh, sometimes it's hard to differentiate. Cody or Robert, have you guys been watching anything uh, you want to discuss? I guess, uh, was the 26th, the 22nd was the 15th anniversary of the Devil's Rejects. It's the follow-up, obviously, to Rob Zombie's House with Thousand Corpses, but uh, it's just, you know, following uh, Sheriff John Quincy Waddell going after the Firefly family, and it's kind of a, like a, I guess, on-the-run kind of movie. Obviously, I'm sure everybody's seen this movie, so I really don't need to describe it that much. But, uh, yeah, this when this came out on July 22nd, 2005, I went to the first showing at Hollywood Theater, and I went to the last showing at Hollywood Theater. The first showing, I went by myself. And they were handing out those huge Last Supper posters. And uh, uh, so we went back to the 10 o'clock showing 
to try to get another one, and they were already out of them. But uh, me and Ryan Hald went to the, the 10 o'clock showing that night, actually, to see that one. Yeah, pretty much Rejects is the only thing I think I got to actually watch all the way through besides Resurrection. But Res, uh, not Resurrection, but uh, Rejects is Rejects is probably in probably in my top ten favorite movies of all time, if not definitely top twenty. But I give that one a watch pretty much every year on the uh, on the anniversary. So yeah, that's that's the one that I've checked out. Sweet, uh, Cody. Yeah. Uh, what about you? So I. I haven't had a lot of time to watch anything this week because I've been, I've been actually making a movie, uh, this like lifetime movie, female in dis- distress type thing. We were outside all day at a, like a, a small harbor in Garland for like three days. It was hell on wheels, totally live location. But for some reason, every night I came home and watched John Wick 3 all the way through. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you guys, I fucking love this franchise because the first movie, I thought, oh, yeah, that's fucking badass. Like, Keanu's back in his element. We've got this great stunt team, this, this fantastic, fun movie. And then they did the second one, which did all this world building, right? And the end of the second one, I'm here to tell you, like, for, for terror for me, or, like, psychological terror, like, comes from, like, suspense and, like, anxiety and, like, thoughts of the unknown. And at the end of John Wick 2, spoiler alert, every motherfucker in the underworld from the high table down to the fucking Bowery is after him for like a $15 million purse because he's now excommunicado because he, he performed he business. He conducted business on the fucking continental grounds. So you can't do that. Okay. In John Wick's world, he's already been out. He's been pulled back in. He's been out. He's been pulled back in. He got Corleone basically. You get godfathered in this, in this life. But dude, the third one, Holly Berry just like goes to the director. She's like, say bitch, I'm going to be in this. And they're like, uh, okay. And they gave her character like two German shepherds and they're the coolest fucking dogs. And they're just like ripping dudes throats out and shit. It's pretty cool. You guys should give it a watch if you haven't seen it. But, but Parabellum, I mean, it's like it, it sets up the fourth John wick and also gives me this, this slight like possible thought that, that whenever matrix four comes out and John wick four comes out, they're actually one of the same. And John wick is a Neo character. That's been living in this universe that he's been like fighting through. And that's why all this shit happens like that. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what I want. Also, also a quick shout out to motherfucking Mark Dacascos who plays like the, the, the high table, like adjudicator assassin who comes in looking like Saitama from fucking one punch man. If you guys are familiar with Mark (laughs) Dacascos body of work, motherfucker was in double dragon. Motherfucker was in only the strong body on away motherfucker was in brotherhood of the wolf he's like he was the crow oh yeah he's also an iron chef dude, wasn't he he was the iron chef this this dude is like like one of the best martial artists that's ever been on like tv or movies of the of that genre and he's like holding his own and just having this great like battle with with keanu the whole movie trying to prove that they're the same and I'm like sitting there looking at him and I'm like, why isn't anyone greenlit a motherfucking one punch man movie with this guy? Cause he looks exactly like Saitama. He's like playing his character. Like he is one punch man, but so yeah, let's get back onto the Halloween, uh, resurrection, <laughs> the talk. I'm, I'm sorry to do that, especially to you, Corey, but, um, Fuck you. for those who are, <laughs> for those who are listening, uh, and for those lucky people who have not yet watched this movie, um, here's some information about it. So Halloween, resurrection it was uh released in theaters uh july 1st of 2002 um it had a uh, uh it actually made ended up making 30.2 million dollars at the box office had an 89 minute runtime 
directed by Rick Rosenthal, uh, released by Dimension Films. And it was notable because they were bringing uh, back uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, which I, I guess at first she did not want to do this movie, and they were able to win her over. They also brought back Rick Rosenthal, who directed the second movie. Um, and it was actually the first horror movie he had directed since Halloween 2, and you can pretty much tell. Um, so, so, Robert, since this is uh, your pick, uh, why don't you talk to us about the uh, – set up the, the movie. Tell us, like, the, the, the synopsis. Like, what are we going into with this? Well, basically, it's, uh, I guess, a few years after uh, H2O, and Laurie Strode is, like, in a, I guess, I guess a crazy house, pretty much, type thing. And um, she's seems like she's been kind of waiting for Michael to – come back for and she's been ready she's been you know hiding her pills and her little raggedy and doll or whatever and um uh, waiting for michael to come and find her and um eventually of course he does find her and this is the one um where he uh, actually ends up killing Lori in a little rooftop scene or whatever in the first few minutes of the film like and and going into the film, you know, when it came out, like I, we we all knew Jamie Lee Curtis was going to be in it, but I didn't expect her to be killed off before the opening fucking credits, you know. But like I guess, and, and like you were saying, she wasn't sure if she wanted to come back and do this movie, and I can see why now that they're just going to basically you know, kill her off in the first few minutes. Which I guess you know, she was going to only be in it for like a total of 30 seconds or something like that at first. Yeah. And maybe I was um, they convinced her. It was just like, well, yeah. and then they, start, yeah, then they started like shooting and they just, as, 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 from what I read, they started like just collaborating and stuff. And she ended up being on uh screen, like a lot longer than they initially planned. Yeah, the reason. Yeah. <laughs> so she agreed to do her part. Uh, this is uh, why I read only to make sure that Lori wouldn't appear in another sequel. Uh, <laughs> she uh, said that, uh, basic. So the producers, the Akkads, uh, they, their story was, she was so impressed with the screenplay. She wanted a large part. Of it, and she has publicly said that that is not true. She was under contract oh, to do it. <laughs> and so basically yeah. he was just doing it. So she would get killed off and wouldn't have to participate in any more of these. In 2015, she did an interview and said this was a, the film was a complete joke, and the only reason she did it was she had signed a contract with doing HTO, H2O because that's the only way she could have had H2O made because she was the one that really pushed to get that one made. And to get her on board, uh, she had to uh, agree to be in the sequel as well. So uh, she was definitely not enthused about it, and she was mercifully killed off, which I wish I had been as well at the same point in the movie so I wouldn't have to watch the rest of it. From what I what I I, I also read though is like they originally filmed uh where her fall scene was like falling on concrete but then later on they they added in uh the the bushes to <sighs> to like kind of keep her character like there's you can, uh, see, there's... You can see the pad when she hits it and I, the thing I hated about that was the fact that you're sitting there thinking this, she's going to come back and in in and like save the day. Because that's kind of what it it just felt like so cheap to me. I was like, man, if they're going to do that to her, they're not going to like no payoff. But it was like she was like fell and you can see her like slowly descend into the pad. I was like, wow, really? 
All right. Uh, so let's get into the recap of the movie. And Corey, I'm going to throw it to you on this because I know uh, you're so excited to talk more about the uh, minute details of this classic. So uh, Buster Rhymes, he gets the top billing. And then um, as Cody mentioned, we have a special appearance by Sean Patrick Thomas, because I guess in 2002, he was hot shit. And then uh, Tyra Banks is has the with credit. So there we go. So uh, like we were saying, uh, the movie opens in a mill institution, um, the Grace Anderson Sanitarium, and Jamie Lee Curtis is doing a voiceover, even though she's in a fucking catatonic state. So whatever. Uh, and basically, two nurses are talking about her, and uh, it's revealed that at the end of the previous movie, H2O, she had lopped the head off the wrong guy. There was a guy wearing a Michael Myers mask pinned against the van. She thought it was her brother, chops his head off. The series should have fucking ended, but people got greedy, so they made this travesty. Uh, it's revealed that Michael has swapped clothes with a paramedic. And in doing so, he crushed the paramedic's larynx so he could yell out to Jamie Lee Curtis that, hey, I'm not Michael Myers. Please don't chop my head off. Uh, so she's locked away, but she still thinks Michael's going to be coming for her. Uh, the nurses talk about how she's been found on the roof multiple times, and the doctors think she's suicidal. Yet she, um, I don't know, just lots of stuff that doesn't make sense, but fuck this movie. Um, so then eventually... Um, we see two security guards. Uh, one of the patients has wandered off because that's how they run this psych psychiatric hospital. People can just wander in and out. Uh, eventually, these two security guards are killed. Uh, we get our first glimpse of something that they reuse over and over and over in this movie. The pointless slow motion shot. With the very grainy film, it fully Did y'all, takes you uh, out of the movie. That? It fully takes you out of the movie. Like things like slow motion and handheld are are like are things you use like on purpose. And this was like someone was like, "Well, I guess we should if we slow it down, will this movie make an eighty nine minute runtime?" You know, because I don't know what the the thought process is there. But man, I I was like, like even when she's falling, it's she's in slow motion. When Lori's dying, you know, you're like, "What the fuck?" And then the, the like. The, some of the some of the stuff in the hallways is cool, like when he's that slow mo stuff. But man, I, it took me right out of the movie. Yeah, I think I count in this first uh, opening scene five different separate uh, instances of them going to slow motion for no fucking reason in the first fifteen minutes of the movie and throughout the entire movie. I wrote down each time I saw it, and it's fucking ridiculous. It's ah, we should make a drinking game out of every slow mo shot. You have to take a shot. I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> that would hurt we do not. We, we do not condone drinking every time you, you <laughs> see a slow motion shot in Halloween Resurrection. Just, just so you know. Yeah. Send any and all uh, like legal uh, uh, correspondence to Corey McGuire. Uh, what was your address? <laughs> for? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we got our first kills of the movie. Um, one of the security guards stops at a vending machine to get some snacks. The other one proceeds down. Uh, the security guard at the vending machine hears a scream, goes to investigate, sees a dryer going, and you can pretty much tell what's going to happen. Uh, slow motion opens the dryer and sees a security guard's head in there. Michael Myers lowers himself from the ceiling because, as we see later, he has some 
wicked strong upper body muscles. I mean, to mention, I meant to is stupid. Uh, so he tripped over his partner's headless body, falls down in a pool of blood. Michael picks him up and cuts his throat. Then he goes on to uh, find his sister's room, which how he knows where she is in this giant fucking hospital. I don't know. Don't care. Um, <laughs> she has uh, hidden behind the door and springs out from behind it, bashes him on the head with a lamp and runs away to the roof. He chases after her. He sees uh, some of her clothing uh, on the edge of the roof. So he goes over there to investigate. And that's when he steps right in a loop of rope, which had been pre-staged. And Jamie Lee Curtis reveals herself behind the door to the roof and has some mechanical device that raises up the loop around Michael's foot, lifting him in the air upside down. So that's why she's been going to the roof all the time. So they're actually trying to make this make sense, even though it is just absolutely stunningly dumb. Uh, what did y'all think about that? Just like I said before, laid out? oh shit, the tensile strength of the the tensile strength of the ropes and cables in this universe just were just absurd. Yeah, and then while well, I think uh, Robert or maybe it was Chris was talking about it last night, how when she's sawing through the rope. It's making some kind of noise that uh, kind of triggers him. And so he covers his ears up and she uh, remembers from the last time she tried to kill him, they got that same reaction. And so I think that's what kind of clued her into like, I got to make sure this is really my brother before see, I kill him because I already killed one dude. See, that's not what I, I got. Like the, the noise thing y'all were saying, he covered his ears. I thought he was trying to symbolize, take my mask off so you can see it's not. I, I thought, thought he was making the noise, and I was like, "Oh, that's, that's the that's his one noise." He's like, <laughs> it "Sounds like that." Jesus Christ! That's his call. Uh, let's no, just yeah, agree, it's stupid. Yeah, either way, she should have never got close to him. Yeah, she got yeah, murdered because of it. The guy, he already cut, chopped one dude's head off. This guy came into a psychiatric hospital trying to kill you. Kill the dude. Just get over with. But no, no, she has to check because she has a guilty conscience. Uh, that doesn't go well for her. Michael pulls her over the side as the rope snaps and she lands on his knife. Uh, like Chris said, she gives him one last kiss on the lips and says, see you in hell, and plunges to her death, mercifully ending the Sega of Laurie Strode in these movies. Thank God for her sake. Yeah, and you can tell Jamie Lee Curtis just looks pissed off every time she's on screen that she has to be in this piece of shit. But you know what though? Like, I feel like she still gives like some legitimacy to this movie. I, I feel bad because it doesn't deserve it, but like she is the one thing when, when that makes it feel. When she's running down the hallway in the, movie, in the, in the very be, first, I'm like, man, this is the rehearsal. Like she was like, we're not doing this twice. Like they just roll it. Like fuck all that. Fuck, focus, <laughs> fuck it. You did it in this one shot. I'm not running again. Well, one cool thing about Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, with uh, the next two sequels to the, not the reboot, but uh, the, I guess the direct sequel to the first one that came out in 2018, she will play Laurie Strode in Halloween films in six different decades. Halloween in 1978, Halloween 2 in 81, H2O in 98, 
Resurrection in 2002, uh, this last Halloween in 2018, and Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends in 21 and 22, respectively. So six fucking decades. Do you think she's she's got a seventh in her? No. <laughs> oh, I, I don't blame her. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want that either. And then so uh, after Michael kills her, he you know does a massive pull up, two finger pull up. And one of the things that I actually found interesting uh, just reading through this on the internet is he goes to uh, the crazy guy that has escaped earlier in the movie, Harold, who uh, likes to recite or rattle off uh, facts about serial killers. And um, he gives him the knife. And lots of people yep. were theorizing that maybe he's kind of retiring. Like he finally killed his sister. He hands the knife to the ah. crazy guy and it's kind of like passing the torch and is retiring. And is it even Michael Myers in the rest of the movie, or is it Harold? I love that idea, but what I also love is the idea of Michael Myers retiring, and maybe he just goes up and like works out well, like a piggly wiggly, just like stack, <laughs> like just, just like pulling in carts and stuff. Like he's just like stalking items at midnight and stuff, and like trying yeah, to suppress that's what these. Happened. He was he was working and he overheard that some wiggly. kids maybe. were staying overnight in his old house, like just like playing internet games or whatever the fuck on their on their their cell phones, and so he was he had to get back into it, you know. <laughs> maybe, One last or maybe he's like totally like calm and like laid back now and became like you know jeffrey lebowski the dude and just so he killed jamie lee curse no problems now so the rest of the movie is this weird kid right i i don't know is that is that i mean is that the ongoing theory is what i mean that is a theory okay. because he gave him the knife I, he didn't give him the mask so I don't know. Just in this, in I like it. I all like the that. I like this. I thought it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one interesting thing that came out of this movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Michael walks off, possibly retired, and then we get the title screen. And then um, one thing I read that this movie is the only one other than the first movie that has the uh, iconic Halloween theme playing over the open credits. And they both start the same way, which uh, I guess is cool. I don't know. <laughs> I love how how sad you are to admit that this movie does something right. Like you're almost ejected to hear. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So after that, we go into um, Haddonfield University because Haddonfield apparently is a big enough town to have a university, and it's right. uh, in like a psychology class, and it's kind of I thought it was interesting. The professor giving the lecture is actually the director Rick Rosenthal. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And like Robert said, uh, he's the same guy that had directed Halloween 2 back in 1981. Uh, That was his debut movie. He's married to the lady, uh, Nancy Stevens, that played the nurse that's with Loomis at the very first of the original Halloween. Oh, she was a doll. Yeah, she's in Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, and she's going to be in the sequel, Halloween Kills. No way! He's actually married to her. Um, she, probably, she might have been the one actress outside of Loomis and um, uh, Laurie Strode that like the same character that had been in the most Halloween movies. That, yeah. Uh, we like, I mean, four be of there. them. Four yeah. of them. And then uh, after this movie, Rick Rosenthal went on to direct uh, some episode or before Halloween, he directed a couple of episodes of Life Goes On, including Corky's Travels and Corky and the Dolphins, which I would like. Corky? To Corky? 
Corky and the Dolphins. Life goes on. Oh, son of a bitch. I thought uh, it was like Corky and the 10 speed, but yeah, well, that's uh, the Crowley version. <laughs> yeah. He uh, also made a movie in 1983, Bad Boys with Sean Penn, which apparently oh. is a pretty badass reform school flick that uh, pretty uber violent. And uh, I'm oh, definitely going to check it out. And then the last thing on Rick Rosenthal, he made his acting debut in 1974 in a movie called Video Vixens. Uh, Hmm. A a movie about a pervy TV exec who stages a sleazy stag movie award show and forces an uptight film critic to host it. Was that produced by one of the Weinsteins? Uh, Yes. Because it seems like a perfect movie. Let's just say yes. Let's just say yes. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we're back at the university. Uh, We get introduced to uh, the main character, Sarah, played by uh, Bianca Kylick who uh, hadn't really done too much. She had been in 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, Bring It On, Freaks and Geeks. Uh, Went on to do an eight-episode run on Dawson's Creek. Um, She was actually unable to scream, so all her screams in this movie are dubbed. I don't know how someone's not able to scream and not being able to scream how you get cast in a horror movie. Yeah, how does she get cast to be in a horror movie? She can't scream. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so just a weird thing. Uh, used to be married to the soccer player Landon Donovan. So yay for Bianca Kylick. But uh, her and her friend Jen, who seems, seems kind of like the uh, party girl who wants to go out and have fun and everything, while uh, Sarah's kind of pin up, uh, played by Kay Sackoff, they go talk to their friend Rudy because apparently they had all applied to be on this internet reality show called Dangertainment, run by uh, Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks. And the whole concept of this is six people are going to go into Michael Myers' old house to try to find answers on Halloween. Um, there's lots of problems with this. Does anyone want to talk <laughs> about it? I will say, I will go on the other end of that, because I think You're the wrong. premise of this movie is actually pretty interesting. Because, like... At this point, there are how many movies in? Are they in, in the Halloween franchise at this, this point? Is eight. This is eight. Eight. So where do you where do you really go from here? So instead of like really focusing in on the on the Michael Myers character, is like the the house is really the main character in the movie in a way. And so I think that is a, an interesting premise for if if you're going to have to make a new Halloween movie, like at least you're trying to do something a little different. And so maybe it's like bringing all these people into the house um, and they're doing it, you know, on their own, you know, free will. I think that's kind of an interesting setup. You know, obviously it, you know, it goes off the rails, you know, almost immediately. But I think that the idea in and of itself isn't necessarily bad. It could have been so awesome if they had executed, if they just really executed. But I'm sitting there watching this thing that they're like, oh, we're going to be more famous than the Osbournes. I'm like, wow. Like someone just literally just was like, "What's what's important? What's popular right now? How do we do this?" Yeah, and, and, and no one today knows who. Well, also, it's like you know, so, like, when you got on the show, like, you would what? just you would send an audition, audition tape in, and then they like they auditioned there. You know, like, it was it was it was wild. It was like yeah, yeah. It was it, everything. Every aspect of the movie's plot served the next point of the movie instead of serving the story. And you're absolutely right. Like that that fucking set that, that someone was like, well, 
we've got this old set that we can say it's Michael Myers' house. Nobody knows what it looks like. Let's uh, let's film in there. You know, like, it, oof. Oof. Yeah. Um, Robert, you were about to say something. Yeah, I saw it more like as of uh, the main character, not the house, as more as technology, as them, you know, showing what, you know, it was trying to be, I guess, I don't know if you would call it state of the art, but it's like, you know, with the body cams and the live streaming and all that stuff. I thought that was just trying to, you know, it was trying to show off more of the, the new wave cool generation. It's, oh, we can use the internet for anything now and all this, you know, all this stuff. And we can make money by using the internet and all the, you know, using all the cameras and technology and stuff like that. That's, that's, that was one of the reasons, like, you know, when, like when I originally saw it, I was like, oh, it's cool. But then that was one of the reasons why I was like, man, this is fucking stupid. Like, because it's making, <laughs> like, it's putting more emphasis on the technology. Of so you're saying this movie is, is responsible story. for, like, this kind of, like, right. bougie internet streaming culture, like, of all that's, that's, that's going on right now. <laughs> I, I think that's what... Oh I yeah, no, we gotta get on yeah, exactly. that generation removed, homie. Yes. Here's the thing. If if if, <laughs> if game streaming had been a thing in our in our mindset in our in our day, we'd all be millionaires right now because of the games that we all played. You know, like all the video games. Like so I mean so uh, right. we might as well get a couple ducats Hell off yeah. off the off the backs of uh Tyra Banks and uh Buster Rhymes and Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> the sacrifices they made. <laughs> Okay, well, here's here's a few of my problems. Okay, so we have the Myers house, this murder house, this place that is now dilapidated, filthy. Just how the fuck is it still standing? It it what it, it was already like how? the original one. In the original movie, it, it's it's abandoned after the the, the original killings. You know, it's it, it was abandoned in 1963, and then in 78. When they I came they, back, I thought it, it was abandoned that whole time. Though. I thought she was trying so to sell it. To believe. Right, well, but I, no one was living in it because you know it all. They flipped it. They put in the original they put a bunch of shiplap up, and there. you know, like yeah, they they, they JoJo went down there. The, uh, the, the kitchen in the bathrooms. Well, all right, hold on, hold on. There's still because all right, these these sequels don't all follow each other, right? So like this one is supposed to, I guess, follow one and two and then like we were talking last night four five and six kind of go together and then h2o starts up again after two ended so in the first one there's no one living in it and they're trying to sell it but supposedly in like four five and six there's families living in that house but it looks Ah. nothing like the original house like they they like they it's supposed to be the old myers house but it looks nothing like the one in the first one this one actually Goes back and it looks also like the, the house main from character, but it like you said, the chick she looks up. right at Michael Myers who's looking out the window before she even goes into the yeah. house in slow motion. Like, yeah, you see him right there. Exactly. Like, why would you go with the house? <laughs> but why is this house okay? The first one they're trying to sell it, so it's not just a total shithole. This time it's a total shithole. Yeah. How? <laughs> yeah, and this is not like a shitty neighborhood. How is that still standing? John Wayne Gacy's well, house, they tore it down and built in. a new one. Fucking OJ's house, they tore it down, built a new one. 
I just don't buy that this house is in the middle of a normal neighborhood that's just run down and fucking like hobos having hobo gangbangs in there. I'll tell you this, Corey, and this is this will answer your question. Corky's house is still standing on Prairie View in Crowley, Texas. Shit. And it looks like Michael Myers' house, dude. It's it's I don't know how it's still standing because it's it's in a perfectly good neighborhood, but you got this one dilapidated house that everyone's afraid of to this day because you got those weird like pear trees in his front yard that just falls they fall every day. Shit. And you it's can all smell weird that shit from like a, a block away and you everywhere. can hear his little ten speed as he's humming Elvis tunes. But it would be even <laughs> Some days people can still hear him changing Man, gears late at night on Preview. <laughs> he came out. He dude, I swear to God, every he single came episode. Out, he came out of the fucking <laughs> mist with an axe handle at a birthday party because we were taunting him because me and Adam and a few other people were like, "Hey, Corky!" And he came back and he started hitting. He started hitting the fucking light you panel or the light, that. like the gas light thing. We called the cops. The cops came and took oh him away. God. Yes. And Who's like the Tyler Tyler's parents were all out there, were all like giggling and like kind of like like snickering and stuff, and like, dude. And then like later on, yeah, every, I would see him like nightly at the Conoco next to the Crowley Junction. Actually, I'm sorry, the Crowley Junction. <laughs> I didn't want to. I don't want to, uh, you know, say the wrong name. But he just would sit there and just like like nibble on a breakfast burrito That's for perfect. 16 hours. I don't know what he would do, but uh, he was there every time I was there. And dude, I, I had a dream when I was a kid that he <laughs> fought my dad and he was pulling my dad's hair off his head. And so I always had like a real like out for that guy kind of situation. Uh, and then, and then later on I had this idea for a musical <laughs> and it actually plays into the blood sucking geeks where it's like, it's a summer and we're all kids and we're like hanging out and we're trying to watch horror movies. And then a zombie outbreak happens because we're like super bored. And then, the only person that can save us is Corky because he has like a shitload of guns and he's like this Elvis impersonator kind of like oh almost Bella Hotep, like, you know, Bruce Campbell type of type of uh, like persona. And anyway, so like, so Corky, just is a prolific character that will just live on. And I, so, okay. So where are we at Corey? Uh, so yeah, these, uh, the six field, they're going to be on this show, uh, danger team it. They gather in a yeah. hotel. We're introduced to Buster Rhymes, Tyra Banks. They start doing some intro uh, interviews, just introducing themselves. And while uh, Sarah, the main character, is giving hers, a uh, guy taking pictures uh, knocks over a lamp. It falls down, explodes. She screams her fake dub scream, and it shatters yeah. a glass, which uh, I'm pretty sure Mythbusters has shown us is not possible. But either way, um, the lady that can't scream has someone fake scream for her and shatters a glass. And that turns Buster Rhymes all hot and bothered. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that was a weird, like, like what? I don't know what that look was, but I don't know what he was reaching for, but that was just uncomfortable. I think uh, Harvey Weinstein had talked to him and given him some motivation. <laughs> later right on, they started later on when she comes to his hotel room, I'm just sitting right, there like, I could, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's just eh. so. Uh, yeah, later on, Busta's watching uh, Kung Fu. Sarah comes by, wants to drop out. He kind of talks her into sleeping on it. Uh, surprisingly, does not uh, you know try to make a move on her anything. So uh, I'm sure Harvey was kind of bummed about that. Uh, then after that, uh, we learned that uh, Sarah has been having this online romance of sorts with a guy she calls Deckard. 
who is actually a freshman in high school um, who was helping her out with uh, some tech issue or something. It, what is the age difference between them? Because I thought it was like they were around the same age. I guess not. So we find out that Deckard is in high school because his friend is telling him uh, freshmen are never invited to these parties, yada, yada. So they're freshmen in high school. And then Sarah is uh, at some point in college. So four or five years at minimum. Uh, she's been asking him to watch the first episode, but his buddy wants to go to this Halloween party. So he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go. Um, so then we go back to the Myers house. Uh, Tyra Banks, who I guess is kind of like the producer, she's guiding the guy that's setting up the cameras. And that's when Michael returns home. And um, we see him basically through lots of this movie. We see the kills through the point of view of the cameras. So, that's her little fucking gimmick. That Look, I, so I want that hot chocolate that she had when she was like, Fuck she was so <laughs> engrossed in that hot chocolate, she missed that whole kill. And that she got was whipped cream an in her nose and she cream. fucking yeah, yeah. was a That's rock star. That... She just kept going through that scene. She didn't even wipe it off or anything. And then continuity, it was gone on the next shot. No, and there's some... I feel like she's used to some uh, white paraphernalia on her make, nose, if you know what I mean. Make, make Are you talking about make, cum or cocaine? I'm talking about cocaine. Oh, yeah, cocaine, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's cocaine off of a con. With the con. I was thinking she's in her element there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that drink's pretty elaborate, and there's some gratuitous um, Tyra Banks ass shots, which uh, yeah, good good for this movie. Good for this movie. Uh, but yeah, she misses the entire scene of the guy getting killed. So, uh, Michael gets a tripod that has some ridiculously sharp legs and, uh, just plunges it straight through his throat in one of the, uh, I guess, gorier scenes in the movie. Although for the most part, it's just some blood is no like actual. I would say though that like, is this, this is one of the, the rare scenes that Michael's just not killing someone with a knife. Right, uh, like yeah. or just some, you know, He's like not, you don't really see him being very uh, like creative on the kills. Like, well, like Jason just, will use Jason will use anything at his disposal. Um, motherfucker, he'll put a fucking road flare in your mouth. He'll put a road flare in your mouth. I did. I did. Hella enjoy that spike, that rusty spike kill because there was like a lot of like, uh, like undulation and like like almost whatever like penetration it was just like just get to it just to stab her like you don't need to see the reaction shot again of the (laughs) the thing almost hitting now so uh at this point uh tyra and buster having a phone call and uh she's bragging about how she got a firebird towed from the house that was blocking their shot and uh it's implied i guess from reading online that uh michael had stolen that car and used that to drive to the house and maybe that pisses him off a little bit. They stole his sweet ride. I don't know. <laughs> Seems to be reading a little much into it. Uh, maybe so, a little bit. So Busta and the rest of the cast uh, arrive at the house. And of course, of course, there's a huge media presence there because <laughs> some shitty internet show no one's heard of is filming in the Michael Myers house. So every fucking TV station had in field because apparently there's multiple TV stations in Haddonfield uh, are there to interview Buster Rhymes and get the story. And um, before even going to the house, scouting it out or anything, 
they just send these kids in and he sounds off an air horn to at this point the show has begun tyra banks and bust rhymes are in this in the garage i guess it's revealed uh where it's kind of like the production center and uh, basically bus is told the kids you know the people watching this can select which feed they have so try to be interesting because the more interesting you are the more people watch and you're going to become big stars off this shitty internet show because that's how i guess that works so yeah uh then so they're in the house um what i found interesting was um sir asked you know what what are we going to do are we supposed to be looking for answers I don't understand the, I mean, I get that it's a TV show that Buster Rhymes is revealed. Lots of it's set up, but they're there to search for answers. Six random college kids are going to solve this 20 year old murder mystery that Loomis spent his entire fucking life solving. You think these motherfuckers are going to find something out that he didn't know? Well, that's how stupid the concept of this movie is that Buster Rhymes thinks he's smart enough to where he can plant a bunch of stuff in the house and these kids will find it, and everybody yes. on the internet's going to believe it. Like the cops <laughs> haven't looked into this since 1978 to see if there was fucking skeletons <laughs> in the goddamn basement and shit. Like nobody saw, like nobody's seen any of this stuff. Nobody's seen Michael come in and out of there and like eat rats and 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 when when they had the house for sale in the first one, they still had all this leftover shit from when he originally lived there. They didn't clean the house out or anything and prep it to get sold. They left, you know, the creepy-ass uh, high chair right. with, like, the manacles and the, like, headlock on it and shit just in the pantry. I mean, when you're touring an open house, that's what you want to see. It's like, oh, they used to torture babies here. Sign me up. All right, so uh, at that point, uh, they're in the house, and they start splitting up into separate groups. Um Sarah and Rudy, the chef, go into the kitchen, and they have this weird scene with the fennel. What did you think about that, Robert? <laughs> oh, about how, um, how 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 fresh it was, and how could this? this there yeah, already, yeah. Like, what was the purpose of any of that? I, I guess Buster Rhymes felt like he needed to restock the house to make it look like it was normal. I don't. I mean, I don't know what the the point of the scene was, but but since you have a chef, he knows. Like, he's like, oh, let me check this. Oh, this is uh, this is fresh, huh? Like I, I don't, I don't. I mean, is it just proven his knowledge of the smell of spices? Like, is that? Is, is it- I mean, the only thing I can think of. I mean, it it's such a specific thing that you would think they insert it into the movie for a purpose. And the only payoff I see is later on when uh, Rudy and Michael are having their little confrontation. He grabs something from the spice rack, I guess, the fiddle, and throws it in his eyes. I mean. Is fresh fennel like does that sting your eyes? But if fennel has gone bad, it doesn't sting your eyes. Yeah. And that's some pretty specific yeah. knowledge to assume the audience. Yeah, well, has. I, I certainly did not know that. I mean, if that's a, if that's the case, I don't think it's true. I, mean, I don't think maybe it's if true. they blew it up his nose <laughs> with a straw, then maybe that's something that you have experience with. So maybe that's what Rudy should have been doing. Yeah, well, they should have consulted me when they wrote this movie. Then I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So at this point. Um, you know, the kids are doing their thing in the house. Like I said, they slip into separate groups. Um, Jen is with uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, uh, who basically I see being the Harvey Weinstein of the group because he's the most sexually harassing motherfucker of all these people. He's just like absentmindedly like, you know, 
caressing Jen and she's like, what the fuck dude? And he's just all sorts of creepy. And, uh, yeah. So. Was this like was this like considered okay back then? Like I don't remember this ever being non creepy, but like was this like acceptable behavior like back then? Was this like okay? I don't remember. I honestly don't. I mean, I guess Harvey Weinstein thought it was okay because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean I he know. was just like, you know, jerking off into plants and onto people's backs and shit when they weren't looking. So who knows what he thought was okay. But yeah, so uh, him and Jen go off, then uh, kind of like the biker boy, uh, what the fuck ever his name is, Tim, I think. Uh, yeah, because they do, or Jim, they do a terrible job of actually giving these characters names. Did any of y'all pick up? I don't like, remember one name of any character like, except for Buster Rhymes. No. Michael Myers? What was his name? <laughs> Freddie <laughs> Harris. Freddy. Yeah, Freddie Harris, because uh, they named him after Danielle Harris from uh, Four and Five. And, oh, really? Uh, I didn't. That's one yeah. thing I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say that. I mean, Harris is such a fucking common name. Yeah, who they can say whatever they want to now. Yeah, but uh, Jim, who's kind of like a bad boy biker guy, and Donna, a redheaded uh, like smart chick. Of course, they pair them together and they go off searching. And then we cut back to uh, the high school party where Deckard has gone with his friend, dressed up as uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Deckard can't resist, so he sneaks away from this party, which my wife walked in and was like, ah, that could be from, like, Can't Hardly Wait. Because everything about this movie, like I said, reeks of just that era of, like, a teen movie, like a PG-13 movie that they wanted to make a horror version, and they somehow got the cods to give them the Halloween name because that's what this is. It's all those fucking terrible movies from the late nineties and early two thousands, like horrified and just, but still so watered down and fucking weak. And it's just a travesty that they put the Halloween name on this. And one of the reasons why I hate it. So the guy that's playing, the guy that's playing Jim, did anybody else like, Listening to him talk, did it just remind you of like a like a shitty Jack Nicholson impression? Like I I got that from him like several times in the in the movie. Like he was just like like trying to be like like be cool, but he wasn't because this every character in the movie no one cares about. Like I yeah, just, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just like it, that one character that's in so many movies where he's like the bad boy. I mean, he's wearing a leather jacket, so he. Obviously, so he's, he's is clearly the bad outcast. boy. Yeah, he, yeah. He yeah well I mean, a mohawk he's got too. a leather jacket. That's... <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so um, Deckard at this party, he sneaks off into I guess the parents' office, finds the computer, logs in, and starts watching this internet show. Um, and then throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, people continually filter into this room and decide like, Hey, watching this internet show is cooler than this badass party where people are drinking, trying to have sex, uh, probably do weird drugs, but they would rather watch this internet show. And they think it's all staged. Of course. So once people start dying, they think it's all, you know, a fake. So they're enjoying the hell out of it and laughing. And then later on back uh, to the house, uh, like I said, uh, they've split off. Uh, Thomasy and Nicholas uh, is sexually harassing uh, Jen. And then um, something really weird happens. Um, 
they're all split up trying to find Jin because she apparently has just disappeared. And um, he's thinking that she's trying to scare him. And then out of nowhere, Michael just slams his hand through a wall and a mirror and grabs Thomas and Nicholas and I guess drags them through. We don't find out until later on in the movie what happens. What y'all think? I didn't about know that? if that was even a real kill at first. Like, I thought that might be some sort of like weird, like quasi dream sequence or something. Like, I, I didn't know if what I was seeing right then was what was actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And also, I mean, we saw this in like, uh, I had the same problem in Sleepaway Camp when uh, Angela stabs the chick through the shower. It's just, it's that same type of thing. Like, does Michael know his house so well that he knows exactly where the mirror is on the other side of the wall, knows exactly when the kid's looking at it to punch through and grab him? Yeah, we see him get pulled through the mirror. We do see some stabbing, but it's all bloodless because you can't scare the high school kids too much in a movie like this because they're the ones that you want to come see it. So more just weak, weak violence. Um, Then Sarah, Jen, and Rudy, the main three, uh, they're in a room. And then um, Sarah goes into a closet, which looks a lot like the closet Jamie Lee Curtis goes into in the first one where, uh, you know, Michael's stabbing and the coat hangers are going everywhere. And then a mannequin falls down on her and she freaks out. And then instead of just simply opening this rickety old wooden door, Rudy feels the need to bust through this wooden door and rescue her that way. So another thing that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but um, just a cheap jump scare that's really not scary at all. Um, that was really weird. Yeah, it's pointless. Pointless. Uh, we go to the smart chick and the biker boy down in the basement. They find this weird hatch in the floor. Uh, they start going in to start making out, but then they're like, Oh wait, biker guy thinks of something goes upstairs back to the high chair with all the chains and manacles on it. And there's this ridiculously oversized key that he grabs because <laughs> I, again, I don't know, takes it back down. Of course, this giant key opens up this mysterious hatch in the basement. Um, they go down there to explore. At that point, uh, smart girl starts getting, uh, you know, a little frisky, decides there's no cameras down there. So they, you know, uh, so while they're about to start humping, the wall bulges and then outfalls what looks to be skeletons and bodies. And of course, they start freaking out, but eventually the biker guy realizes that these are fake body parts even stamped made in Taiwan in it. So he's like, fuck this. We're out of here. And then he leaves this half naked chick in this hole while he goes off to tell everyone what he has found. At that point, the girl notices something in the hole that just caved in, explores it leads to a tunnel. It leads to what seems to be a room where Michael Myers has been living for these last 20 years with clippings, uh, talking about his sister, Lori Strode. And we see a, uh, what looks to be a dead rat, but starts wiggling and moving, which seems to be his dinner. So maybe that's why he's pissed off. He's about to sit down to a nice, warm rat dinner. And then these kids show up with their fucking internet show and interrupt his dinner. And so (laughs) they must die. Uh, So yeah. What'd y'all think about his uh, living accommodations there? I will say this. Like, it's just, this house is not a big house, you know, like it's, there's maybe five or six rooms in total. And I just I am struggling to to have like 
to believe that they could all be in the house and just not run into and each other. And not be able to hear him walking around this creaky-ass old house. You know, like, oh, I'm waiting for Deckard to send me a text. Which, by the way, also, so if at this point in time, at 2002, we were barely at 3G, like, which is talk, tated, and, and, and like, t- t- text and web. So, like, the texting, so it was like 2G oh. technology. That shit is not in real time. That's like a... She's yeah, got a no. palm pilot. That's a thing. I don't nowadays, know what it is. A palm is. pilot I mean, is something that another guy, or another person, can control on the internet, and they pay money to like to like make you like feel stimulation from it. You know, you can see it on Chatterbait. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Which is a way better version of this movie. If you if you ever yep. Chatterbait.com, we're, we're officially sponsored, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, so um, while uh, this girl's down there looking at Michael's uh, private uh, lair where he, uh, you know, takes his shoes off at the end of the day, uh, he, <laughs> yeah. she sees Michael out of nowhere, slow motion, of course, and um, they have a little chase through the tunnel. She gets to a gate that she can't get past, and Michael comes up throws her against the spike that's jutting out and it goes through her back out her chest. And that is that. And that's the first kill that the kids see watching at the high school party. And everyone thinks it's fake except Deckard. And so he starts calling nine one one. Everyone's like, fuck off. This isn't real. Um, and then we see Michael Myers again, walking through the house, but in what I'll give it credit. I thought it was kind of cool. You see Michael Myers walk through the house and then Michael Myers following Michael Myers walking through the house. Uh, so you know something's up right then. What'd y'all think? This was a cool scene, like to set this up because yeah. it, it one of the only times where you were uh, like genuinely like, "What the hell is happening here?" I think that's the only scene that, that probably happens in the entire movie. Uh, but this was a pretty cool setup. I don't know if it necessarily like the payoff was. You know, as as good as the setup, but uh, I thought this was pretty creative. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, just the it's a cool visual seeing Michael stalking Michael, but of course uh, it turns out the first Michael is Buster Rhymes, who's dressed up, going around trying to scare the kids. He thinks that Michael following him is Charlie, the camera guy that has already been murdered. Uh, he thinks he's just fucking around, so he sends him back out to the garage to help uh, Tyra Banks, um, <clears throat> and then he goes off. To uh, somehow, you know, Michael Myers is sitting there, Buster Rhymes chewing him out, and instead of murdering him, he just, you know, takes his ass chewing. It's like, fine, I'll note that and I'll be back. And then he goes off to go about his business, which I thought showed a lot of restraint on Michael's part. (laughs) I'm not sure if uh, 1978 or 1981 Michael would have had that kind of restraint, but I think he's matured and grown through the years. (laughs) Apparently, and I gotta, I gotta get Robert's thoughts because. What what did you make of this whole scene of of Buster Rhymes chewing his ass? Yeah, like if just it just him just yeah, kind of like taking it, and just like okay, I'll, it was so weird. I was um, thoroughly pissed off. Like I, I I this was the I hated Buster Rhymes in this movie. Hated it more. Like even even when I like I've said when I first watched it, I said I kind of enjoyed it. I still hated the Buster Rhymes character and I hated the dumb shit like like the dumb shit that he says to him in, in this scene like you know like 
and Michael does Looking nothing, a little crispy you know? there, Mike. Like, it, like you know. Uh, yeah, like, I, I think I think that's actually really great writing is what caused you and really great acting. That's like the two best parts of the movie is is the fact that how well he's written and how well he performed it made you made you hate him. <laughs> I, will, oh God, I will fucking fight you. But I also think that it's like that maybe is part of the testament of the movie is that like you're supposed to start rooting for Michael Myers. You know, like you don't want anyone to live. You know, like that. That's. I went into this movie rooting for Michael Myers. I didn't need Buster Rhymes. It just, it just gave me more fucking fuel for him. Just like, please fucking kill this guy. Yeah, because you could argue that Michael Myers is the most likable character in this entire movie. I wouldn't best argue. Best performance, would best performance, or second best performance <laughs> next to Busta. But also, yeah, he is the yeah. most likable character. He has the most relatable arc, actually. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true so um okay yeah keep going Corey. yeah so um at this point you know uh typical horror movies so of course they're going to do it in this one because they have zero fucking imagination we had the uh weed smoking scene because that's what these bad children do uh at that point uh they hear a scream from downstairs because sarah has seen michael <laughs> 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 and it turns out uh, it's Buster Rhymes, and they don't realize it. So uh, Rudy starts clubbing him over the back with a piece of wood, I think it is. And Buster reveals himself, tells Tyra to cut the cameras, explains the whole setup to the kids. They're pissed off for some reason because I guess their sense of ethics and morality have been violated. Because uh, they, they really wanted to, to encounter an actual killer. Yeah, they, like, they feel exploited being on the internet, <laughs> uh, searching through a mass murderer's house. They feel Buster Rhymes leaving things pre-staged is exploitative <laughs> in a way they're right. not comfortable with. Right, yeah, exactly. So he's like, well, do what y'all want. I set up that we're all going to get paid, uh, so go along with it and don't fuck it up for me uh, because it's not really that big of a deal. We're going to get paid. But exactly. for some reason, these college kids and their fucking ethics, they're like, no, no, we are better than this. We have learned better. We're going to get really killed if we're going to get paid. Yeah. Hold on. How, so, how did they, did they, hold on, look, they're going to get paid. How how are they getting paid? So, they so, so you, you, what I'm you do is you like, when you have a production, year? you insure it. So like you you pay a certain amount and you insure your production for like a million bucks or something. So his shit was insured. So if it all went to shit he was going to be able to cash that insurance check and get everybody like deals. And, you know, like maybe, maybe like you are putting way too much thought into this. <laughs> As yeah, the I, was, CEO I, the entertainment, I think that he, Some... he was well within his rights and he was very transparent. He also, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't hold anything back after, you know, after they realized, you know, just saying, I think, I think he did the right thing. Okay, so after this, Buster Rhymes sneaks off to go scare more people. Uh, Jen comes out of the room where she was smoking in, and um, she notices uh, the entrance to the attic, so she pulls it down for some unexplained reason. And, of course, Thomas Ian Nicholas falls down, upside down, his throat slashed, I guess. And uh, one thing I want to point out that I'm sure Robert can talk about, 
Michael does have a talent, an uncanny talent for staging of bodies. Like the way Chip and Jojo can stage a house when they reveal it to everyone. Michael doesn't just kill a body and leave it laying in the corner in a heap. He, he thinks about presentation. It's almost like the way a chef presents a gourmet meal. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, he obviously, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, an he's artist. a good thinker and, uh, and he, he, yeah, exactly. And he sets up things for for a like you said like a great reveal like there's always someone in a in like in a, a pantry or a closet or a dumb waiter or something like that he's like so there's always someone's face that he's either mangled or someone he's choked that's going to be right there to make uh the movie and the music go louder than it should and a lot of times in the movie. <laughs> He's even gone to a a graveyard, a cemetery, and and carried a headstone all the way to a house and put it in a bed to, like, make someone, like, scared. Like, he did all the work just for that. He probably only used two fingers to carry it. (laughs) So he he relishes the idea of scaring people, this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh... yeah, he's a fucking psycho. He he should have been making movies. (laughs) So, of course, this freaks Jen out seeing, uh, you know, a dead dude. So she runs and yells down the stairs to her friends. Oh, my God, this is going on. And then Michael Myers comes from the side in slow motion. And there's like, oh, it's fucking Busta Rhymes, whatever. And now, again, Michael Myers is a strong dude because using just a chef's knife, he does a clean hack off of that chick's head. Just clean slice not ragged just straight through the spine like it's made of butter and it rolls down the stairs very 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 little blood again and uh lands at their feet and now they know that no shit this is real michael myers is here and he just chopped this chick's head off um yeah they they would have us to believe that that's how heads just come off because that's how jimmy lee curtis chopped off the paramedics head it's just one clean swipe and you can chop someone's head off that's I don't think that's how it works, but whatever. No, no. It, uh, like Michael being able to do it, he he can hang on to a ledge with two fingers. So maybe he does have that kind of strength. I'm not sure about the knife itself, but yeah. Uh, and I definitely think it'd be a little messier than that. But so yeah, the, now everyone is freaked the fuck out. Um, and then uh, let's see here. They realize the house is locked up. Um they get into the kitchen. Uh, the biker guy clubs Michael with a tripod, and Michael is, you know, unfazed by this. So he even just stabs his knife in the wall because he's like, "You don't even deserve my knife." He just grabs him by the head and starts squeezing, and uh, we get some blood running down his eyes, and uh, we hear a crunch, and then he drops him to the floor again. A very, very weak, you know, compared to a similar kill in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three the 3d one where Jason does the same thing. The dude's eyeball pops out and flies right at the camera. So that's the way you make a fucking head crushing scene. You don't just have them crying little tears of blood. Like it's Cody Putman with uh, some Kool-Aid in his eye or some shit. I think that was probably more gruesome than this. (laughs) So, yeah. So, uh, he crushes his head and then, uh, you know, Sarah starts running off and falls through some stairs because it's an old rickety house. Michael's got her right where he wants her. Then her friend Rudy's like, hey, come get me, motherfucker. So Michael's just like, yeah, she's not going anywhere. I'll go kill this guy. Uh, and, you know, Rudy actually puts up a decent fight. Uh, 
He gets a rolling pin, clubs him in the shoulder, in the shoulder with it, which not really too effective. Uh, like we talked about, he grabs the fennel, throws it in his eyes. And since it's fresh fennel, it stings his eyes instead of being old rotten fennel, which would do nothing. Um, then he gets two knives. So he's, you know, double fisting this motherfucker. He has the line, uh, you like sushi motherfucker. And, uh, Michael grabs both of his arms, turns his knives against him, stabs him in the gut, puts him on the door, pushes the knives through the door, gets another knife right through the chest and through. So that's kind of like, uh, from the first one, uh, the first Halloween movie where he kills the guy and pins him to the wall with a knife. And then he goes through the door that he's pinned to, which is pretty cool because, you know, he's pinned to the door as the door swings. Um, at this point, uh, Sarah is pleading on her camera for anyone watching to help. She realizes Deckard is watching. So that's where they start communicating. And he starts kind of, you know, he's seeing all the different monitors. So he knows where M- Michael is and he's feeding her this information. So she has some uh, extra eyes. And at this point, um, the kids at the party are all in on it. And it's kind of like you see a movie theater where people are yelling at the screen, telling the people where to go and don't do this, don't do that. But in this instance, they're actually able to communicate with the person they're watching. So I guess in a way that's kind of neat, uh, just the way they turn what happens in a movie theater into something that's really happening in the movie. That's exactly what, that's exactly what it was. They were like, tell her to do this. Tell her to do that. But also, also, you know, all his all his tips were fucking asinine. Like when they when her and Buster were down the stairs, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's all good." <laughs> he did, and then they're like, "He's still in the house." Uh, specificity, please. I'm fucking <laughs> almost dying because this guy's trying to kill me. And they're and, and Decker's just like, huh, "He's still in the house somewhere," you know. He's literally, yeah. <laughs> literally directly behind them. <laughs> Well, like the, the shit that I didn't understand, and I was saying to my wife, I, the, he was like, "The you know, Deckard is saying he's in his old bedroom. How the fuck do you know where his old bedroom is? How does she know? It like, was, yeah, it wasn't how does everybody know the layout of the house? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm well, saying. Like, how oh does, no, how there was a sign in the door. Said, Michael's at? room. Keep out, girls. Oh, never come in here. You know, like or something, because he wrote it when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, at this point, we have the, uh, you know, just the chase through the house. Michael chasing Sarah with uh, Deckard, you know, giving her directions, however useful they may or may not be. Uh, That's when Busta comes back out of nowhere and grabs her. And she's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And then uh, we have the first face off of Busta Rhymes and Michael Myers. The thing all horror fans wanted to see whether they want, whether they knew it or not. And. This was a bigger culmination of two horror icons than uh, Freddy versus well, Jason. If you I mean, played, Busta versus Michael, this played the, everyone the popular EA sports game, Def Jam Vendetta, then you know how much ass a Busta Rhymes can kick and how much kung fu skills he is proficient with. So, I mean... That skills they, with a Z. They fully, they fully articulated <laughs> this in the hotel room scene earlier on in the film when he was wata-wata-wata, whatever he was doing... Uh, his best, like uh, appropriation of the of the particular, like you know, way that they they like to you know be exuberant whenever they kick and punch, and that was one of the worst things. Is all his kias and his noises? I was like, is he? Is it, it what? Did someone? Did someone tell him to do that? 
So, uh, Busta is, oh, so you want to be on Dangertainment? Let's see what you got. And then does, as Cody said, a kung fu scream, a spinning kick. Um, Michael wrap or Sarah wraps a camera cord around Michael's neck and, uh, he spins around with her. Then Busta rhymes us more kung fu. Michael Myers is like, what the fuck is going on? Then Busta lands a flying kick and knocks Michael Myers out the window onto the front yard. As if we have not seen that before. If Michael goes out the window into the front yard, don't believe it. Uh, but this time he actually is uh, caught up in the camera cord around his neck and gets hung. Uh, you see his legs twitch. Then he goes limp, but still holding the knife. Buster Rhymes and Sarah being newbies at this whole thing think he's dead. So they're relaxed. But then Decker tells him, as we said, that oh, he's still alive. And of course, he's directly behind them. Stabs Buster Rhymes a couple of times in the shoulder. Chases Sarah. Um, they go out to uh, the garage where we see a huge puddle of blood. Look up. Tyra Banks has been killed off camera, which is another thing that pisses me off. You have, uh, I would say, the second biggest name in the movie. Uh, well, third, Jamie Lee Curtis, Buster Rhymes, Tyra Banks. And you don't even kill her on screen. What the fuck is the purpose? I, yeah, I, yeah, I fucking hate off-screen kills. They're so stupid. Maybe just, maybe that was uh I don't know. I, I I don't even know what to fucking say at this point. What I did actually see and I have no idea is she just didn't want to do anything too icky or something like that. So she just refused to go through with a on screen kill or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. Oh, seriously? Don't sign up for a fucking horror movie. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. It's just I don't know. It seems she's a former model. She seems like someone that might be mm. You know, turned off. Oh, I thought you said you read that. I was like, "Fuck no, that. no, no, no." I was going to say though that, like, I imagine that off-screen kills were probably more of a necessity for, back for budget stuff. You know, like and for like you know, rating stuff. Yeah. You, can't sh- you can't show too many ratings. You know, That's like, what look at, uh, at look at the Batman movies. Exactly. So the Joker yeah. walks up, has a shotgun, shoots a guy in the face in a truck, but you just see the Joker. Right now, that's a fucking badass off-screen kill. Because you don't see the the mayhem, but and that would have made that movie immediately rated R, you know, like so. That's like I mean, I know that I, I imagine is 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 Resurrection rated R? Okay, because I I mean, because honestly, yes, yes. it seems PG thirteen to me, like you know. Yeah, it, it could have been a PG movie. No, there's too many there's too many curse words in Fuck, it. Like yeah, you only get many, like we three fucks. It. Yeah, too many fucks. And then it's, and then it's a rated R movie. Yeah. yeah, and then there's, and there was there was boobs in a sexual way. So I think that's why, and also another reason, like because like Titanic is PG thirteen, but it has Kate Winslet's boobs in it, but it's not in a sexual way. But like when you when it's involved like within like a sexual type scene, then it goes to like a rated R. You were with Cody in a movie theater watching that movie. I'll tell you, like when Cody stood oh, up to go to the restroom, way. everyone knew it yeah, was a sexual like, scene. If I see Leo flat like prone on the door, it's happening. Okay, like, and, and then after the movie, <laughs> so after the movie, it was me, Cody, and uh, Courtney Gould went to go see this movie, and Courtney and I at the end of the movie, <laughs> we start walking towards the rear of the theater to leave just like any normal person would do but Cody decides that he wants to walk in the front of the theater near the screen I, I always, to go, I always out go out the out exit door like the fire exit 
but but he didn't know was that someone had spilled soda at some point during the movie and then like ran down to the front of the theater and then like everyone was like sad and crying at the end of this movie but then we the lights come on everyone stands up and cody like runs down in front of the theater it hits that soda it literally like Fully horizontal. I was fully horizontal, and and the whole entire crowd saw it with their own eyes. (laughs) Everyone, the entire theater started laughing. (laughs) Cody ran out of the theater. Side exit. It was so funny. Okay. Uh, Yes. Um, Wrap it up. My God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah wrap it up b yeah uh, so let's get to the fuck y'all uh the climactic the, finale the way the outlandish way michael myers is finally killed so <laughs> they're in um the shed uh buster rhymes has not been killed he makes a reappearance the shed is now on fire there's a chainsaw involved some reason somehow of course it does no damage um <laughs> So the shed's on fire. Buster Rhymes is knocked to the ground. He pulls out two random cords and he shocks Michael Myers in the testicles. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I mean that's movie. how this movie has to end, right? Yes, it sends Michael flying back into some wires that had been cut by the chainsaw. He starts getting electrocuted doing the electronic mambo or whatever. <laughs> uh, everyone flees out. We see a final shot of Michael just prone in the wires as the shed burns down around him. Um, afterwards, the media is interviewing Sarah and Buster Rhymes because there had to be something in his contract that he got to survive because, I mean, why? Why not just have Sarah survive? I thought that they wanted to, because like, I thought there was a separate ending where he does die in it. Well, there were like four separate endings, and the director wanted to send out the different endings to different theaters like they did with a uh, clue, but the studio was like, don't try to be cute. This movie's a piece of shit. We just want some quick money. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Um, but what I was going to say though, is, um, oh, shit. I don't remember what I was going to say, but, um, no, like I, I, I thought this just had a, just a very weird ending like to it. Like I, I, I don't know. Like it, it was just wrap up. Dude, the wrap up, the the wrap up ending was so cliche. The, the, the punch, the, the media, the speech, I was like, "That's this is what we're doing right now. Like, we're gonna this, we're gonna spend more time on this. No resolution between her and Deckard. That, yeah. Oh God. The very end is so, the worst. With the well, no, well, not not with the yeah. not with oh, Myers, but with wrapping up. Busta, Feel this, Buster. Buster, you know, he's like, he's like, Michael Myers is a killer shark. Um, I'm like, oh my god. Look, here was the thing, though. There was a kind of a shot whenever they were being interviewed, and they showed the background, and this firefighter like sauntered through the background, and I thought, oh motherfucker, that's Myers. Like, and that would have been a way motherfucking better ending than crispy morgue. Like, uh... I think that that was the actual actor who did play Michael. It had to have been because I swear I was like, fuck yes, he got away, and he just like. Oh, real? I have to. I have yeah, to go they back wanted. From what I saw, that. they wanted to give him some screen time, and so that was Brad Lurie. Yeah, so that was actually him in that scene as like the paramedic or whatever. Um, but it wasn't like supposed to imply that Michael got out or anything like that. It was just like let's give. The actor yeah, well, no one knows what his 
you know, yeah, no one knew what he looked like. One thing I want, before we uh, wrap up the summary of the movie and everything, uh, I think we'd be remiss as a podcast, but uh, when Buster Rhymes bursts into the burning shed and Michael turns around, just like, oh my God, I thought I fucking killed your annoying ass. Buster Rhymes has the line of the movie, trick or treat, motherfucker. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Yep. Yep. So I just wanted to make sure we got that in there because yeah, at the end, uh, of course, they bring Michael Spide to the morgue. Uh, the orderlies are joking around. The uh, doctor is very Get nervous. And then she unzips the bag and Michael's eyes pop open. Credits roll. And this piece of shit movie is finally fucking over. So now that we've summed up this, oh, just this insult to humans everywhere um i guess we can go into favorite kills yeah let's do favorite kills uh uh, robert what was your favorite kill of this movie uh favorite kill would have to be jen getting her head cut off i guess what you know it's just i don't know i guess maybe it's the most brutal one i guess maybe just because it's a full decapitation but uh yeah, that's 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 definitely my favorite one. I thought that was the coolest one. That was a good one. Uh, Cody, what about favorite you? Favorite kill is our special guest appearance, Save the Last Dance, for Sean Patrick Thomas. Because you can't get killed by every knife in the kitchen and be a chef and not make me, like, shit laugh. <laughs> shit laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Corey, what about about you? Yeah, my uh, favorite kill goes to the first kill of the movie, the security guard who gets his head lopped off and tossed into, or I guess not the first kill of the movie, but um, the guy that dies towards the first of the movie gets his head lopped off and tossed into the dryer just because he has to have to stick around for the rest of it like the rest of us had to. So it's almost a mercy killing, and God, I wish it had happened to me instead. Speaking of mercy killing, uh, mine would be uh, Lori Strode uh, because she was smart enough to get out of this movie as quick as possible, and uh, good for her. And I just I thought that that was of of any of the kills in the movie that was the the most important of those because it it kind of at I guess in in their minds maybe it was kind of like closing one. Uh, era of the Halloween franchise and they were thinking that maybe they were beginning a new one. Uh, so I thought that that was just a very important kill in the movie. Well, they had actually talked about that. Um, there was talk about doing a sequel to this with um, the fuck's name. Uh, the guy that played Jamie Lee Curtis is Josh, Josh Hartnett uh, from the first movie oh, coming right. back to uh, avenge oh, his mother in Halloween nine. But thankfully this movie is so terrible. They stopped making them until Rob Zombie rebooted it for better. Shittier heads prevailed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let me see here. Let's. This movie was so bad. I just want to read a couple of blurbs from some newspapers at the time. Uh, the New York Post said, It's so devoid of joy and energy, it makes even Jason X, the Jason in space, look positively Shakespearean by comparison. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is a good one. That's yeah. Uh, Variety. Variety said uh, it seems even more uselessly redundant and shamelessly money grubbing than most third rate sequels. Oh, now that's good. That's a good one. You want to watch it. And finally, uh, the New York Times. 
Spectators will indeed sit open mouthed before the screen, not screaming, but yawning. Oh, snap. Yeah. Put that one on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the thing is, they're all accurate. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Fucking awful movie. Terrible. Uh, It was filmed up in. Vancouver, there, uh, there in any, Vancouver. Are there any reviews that are like good, that, like were positive? Because <laughs> I, I swear to God, I set out to be the guy who was going to be like, "This is a good movie, you guys," and I just couldn't. I, I will never. I, I'll, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. You, I wouldn't do it for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This I don't. I'm sure there's someone out there that just wants to be a contrarian, but uh, the the closest thing I found was uh, it comparing it favorably compared to the other sequels in the series. Um, Just, I think they were kind of impressed with the inventiveness of using, you know, the almost found footage type uh, way of putting that into one of the classic horror franchises, but uh, sure. And that's, that's kind of go back to what I was saying before. It's like, I think there is some interesting ideas in this movie. It's just they, the utter lack of the failure of execution is what its downfall is. Like the ideas are there. There's promise and potential in this movie at probably maybe the script level. Um, but it just needed some way more talented, you know, producers and directors. Well, that, it, just like you said before, it's two movies. Cause it's a suspense thriller where you're on the edge of your seat thinking their characters are going to die. And it's like a, it's a slasher movie that's like trying to progress itself and it just doesn't do both. You know, it's like, like you could, I can't be ter- that scared whenever I'm like resonating with the people at the party. I'm just like, look, I'm just not trying to be in blackface here. I'm just, I'm just Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> just watching people die on the internet. What I find even more surprising is this was originally supposed to be released in September of 2001. So like right before the Halloween season, which makes sense, but they had to do reshoots. And for some reason, Miramax either just were like, fuck it. Let's just get this thing out and over with, or they actually had some weird like confidence in it because they bumped it to the summer of 2002 when like men in black, like it opened and it finished in third place between behind a uh, rain of fire and men in black too. So either there's like, fuck it, let's just dump it and get out of the way. Or they th- had hopes for it. Jeez. I, I mean, that could go I'm, I'm sure they had hopes for it. I mean, pretty much. I mean, the the franchise, you know, like was making, you know, had made some money. The sequels had made some money. So I'm sure, you know, with, um, you know, having Jamie Lee Curtis come back again after H2O, that they thought it was going to, you know, do some decent money because H2O made $75 million on a $17 million budget. So, you but it's know, also a far and superior the Akkad's are... Yeah, it's a better movie, but H2O still isn't a, a great movie, but it's better than, you know, internet Michael Myers, you know. Look, $13 million as a gamble for this movie is not a bad price to pay. Like, especially because they, I mean, they almost tripled their return, like, in just in box office, which, you know, Dimension would consider yeah, that yeah. A, a win. I'm sure, I'm sure they were hoping for a summer, you know, I mean, a summer blockbuster, I suppose. I mean, yeah. But it's not going to make, you know, it just, it, it wasn't as good as the, you know, as the movie, you know, before it. So 
it's going to get catch that word of mouth like man don't go well one of the things that they wanted to call the movie which i kind of dig for what it was is halloween michael myers.com i saw yeah that's a that's more fitting than resurrection because that's exactly yeah, what it was. Yeah, but they just wanted people to know that Michael was alive, so they didn't think they were going to get another Halloween three. So, exactly. Uh, they, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Halloween eight resurrection. resurrection where the fuck it is? <laughs> God, I hate it. Oh man. Okay, so I guess we should do final ratings then, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah, just go ahead and bury the sucker. All right. Uh, Cody, what are you going to give this bad boy? So, as a final rating, I'm going to give this... <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, I'm going to give this the... I'm going to give this one and a half um, sticks of grease paint eyeliner for, the, for behind the mask. Fair enough. Okay. And the reason for that is because of the the only redeeming factor is that uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so one and a half grease sticks from Cody. Uh, Corey, what about you? Uh, okay, like I said, <laughs> I consider this just it has the name Halloween on it, but this is like the movie that, like I said, the apparel was furnished by American Eagle. It's the same type of people. It's just these people are making teen comedies, which are fine, that were mainstream, that everyone loved, the Can't Hardly Waits, the cheerleader mm-hmm. movies, any movie where a girl's wearing glasses, hands her hair up in a ponytail, then takes it down, and she's a hottie. All those reasons, they wanted to make a horror movie, and they did. And this is what fucking shit we got. There's hardly any gore. There's hardly any nudity. It's bad in a way that is not even enjoyable. It is a cheap cash grab. It's insulting to us. It's insulting to the franchise. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Zero grease sticks. God damn. Wow. I uh, man, I I I dig that passion. Um I'll go real quick only because I want Robert for to save you for the end. Um I'm going to give it one uh Grease stick out of five, and I'm not even going to try to say why because Corey, uh, you killed it with that one. Um, but I will throw it over to Big Cat. Uh, wh- what was what is your final rating on this? Movie? I will give this movie two grease sticks or whatever the fuck you're calling it. <laughs> only, only because the Halloween franchise is my favorite franchise, and it was another reason for me to get to see Michael Myers in the theater. Anytime there's, you know, I can see Michael Myers in a the theater, it's good for me. So, and it was cool to see Jamie Lee Curtis again, even though it was pointless to have her in it. So, I'll I'll give it two just because of my love for the franchise and my love for Michael Myers. But this uh, this movie is something the fuck else. <laughs> it certainly is. We can we can finally say we've done the Halloween uh, franchise, and uh, maybe we'll come back to it one of these days. But there are so many other exciting uh, horror franchises that we want to visit. Cody, this next one is your idea. So do you want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing for the next episode? Uh, I, I'm really excited to watch Candyman. Which one do we decide on? Candyman. Day three. of the Dead. Fuck. Is that part three? Oh, my yeah. God. 
Okay, so so I'm I'm super excited for the new Candyman that Jordan Peele's producing, and I mean the guy that's in it that's playing Candyman, he's fucking, you know, he's Manhattan in the new Watchmen series. He's in all kinds of stuff. It's like it's really great to see these actors that are dramatic actors do these like horror psychological thriller roles. But the Candyman franchise is such an iconic series in every community, but. Like that, that movie is like seriously iconic. So I'm so excited to see what a, what they, how faithfully they execute this new version and what, what it entails, but also to kind of revisit that franchise and get the shit scared out of me because, you know, like mirrors and bees and saying the name, it, it, it just, it still gives me anxiety. You're giving this movie too much credit. So the one notable thing about this movie um, and its relation to Halloween Resurrection is that uh, it actually has a lower tomato meter score than Halloween Resurrection. With, with so, <laughs> Candyman Day of the Dead has a ten uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, Halloween Resurrection is eleven percent. So, um, according yep. to the tomato meter. Halloween Resurrection is actually a better movie, so we're going into an even shittier movie next week. Well, well, wait, wait. I want to, I want to put a caveat on that because um, lots of the movies I watch on a nightly basis have very low tomato meter scores, so not all shitty movies are. <laughs> that creative. is true. So uh, just keep that in mind. Some movies like this and, are and not all shitty movies are crap. created sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost guarantee you. Corey, you will not hate uh, this Candyman three as much as Halloween Resurrection. I don't expect. I, I don't see how a human could. It's fucking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last bit of trivia before we close out is the guy who was the cinematographer on this. Uh, I just want to tie this in because I think we can do this on every episode. David Gates. So, yeah, he was the cinematographer on three movies you might have heard of called Ernest oh. Rides Again. Ernest goes to school and slam dunk Ernest. Fuck yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're not dealing with amateurs here. That That is amazing. I, I love that you were able to tie in the Ernest uh, franchise dynasty, I should probably call it, uh, into this. Because, you know what, like, I, I think we, I, I don't know if it's too early to spoil this, but I know that there has been some rumblings amongst the, um, the BSG faithful that uh, we may uh, do some sort of like live watch party for Ernest Scared Stupid around the Halloween season. Fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Oh, and fi- and also the nurse at the beginning of the movie, the black nurse, she was also in oh, Ernest Goes to School. So we got two Ernest tie That's what we have to do for every movie is like see what the Ernest tie-in is. Yeah. That'd be great. Six degrees um, of Ernest. I'll take that one on for myself. <laughs> Earnestly seeking earnest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, guys. Um, That's going to do it uh, for this week. Um, Robert, uh, where can uh, our listeners go to uh, find us on all the social medias? Uh, You can go check out, uh, find us on Twitter. I think it's at Blood Geeks. And on Instagram, it's Blood Sucking Geeks. And on Facebook, it is uh, Blood Sucking Geeks. You can go find those and like them and, uh, We'll tell you some information when we know we're going to start releasing these. And um, you'll find uh, in the future, hopefully, on bloodsuckinggeeks.com, like some like reviews and things like that. And just a little bit more maybe about us, you know, personally, like, what you know, the movies we like and stuff like that. And just, yeah, go check us out and follow us. 
Yeah, I wrote one for uh, Nightmare City this week, so uh, that should cool. be on there already. Yeah, and so hopefully by the time people are listening to this, because uh, this is probably going to release, we're recording this in late July. It's probably going to release sometime in maybe late August or even later. Um, but yeah, go to bloodsuckinggeeks.com because Corey is is cranking out reviews for those. So he, like he said earlier, he he watches a lot of crazy, stupid, terrible horror movies. And what he's going to start doing is he's just going to be cranking out like short reviews on these movies. So if you are are wanting to find some just really obscure old horror movies, definitely check out uh, Corey's reviews because he watches some some of the most obscure movies I've I've heard of and not heard of. I do it so you don't have to. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it uh, for this. Uh, week's episode we will be back i hope everyone stays safe and we will see you later six friends are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower this is gonna be fun have been offered fame and fortune that's the american dream all they need to do all the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them no one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the danger-tainment begin! They're taking advantage of this reality TV fascination that we as a culture have. Um, and obviously have put a sinister coating over that. And it's very effective. I wasn't a fan of the horror film genre we're going way back, but I was a fan of the horror film killers. I think I was more attached to Michael Myers because of the simple fact that he just seemed like the most serious dude.